What's going on, guys? Welcome back to yet another episode of the For the Berg podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ron Gaeta. My guest today is Matt Kelly, drummer for the Dropkick Murphys. Matt goes down a list of every Dropkick album, picking his favorite song off of each record. We talk about how the band has played a few live stream shows in front of no crowd during this COVID-19 shutdown. He shows a bunch of love towards Pittsburgh, towards the city, the fans, and the strip district. We also talk some baseball, some hockey, and he tells us how their hit song, I'm Shipping Up to Boston, became pretty much the theme song for the movie The Departed. Enjoy, guys. Nope. Mr. Pop. Guys, today I have Matt Kelly from Dropkick Murphys. What's going on, man? Thanks for being on the show. Hey, yeah, not much, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Usually start these with uh, just getting into some of your earlier musical influences when you decided you wanted to play music for a living or uh, when you knew that was an actual possibility. Well, that's a th- three-tier system there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, my dad's a drummer. He still plays. And my uncle Spud, his brother's a drummer. And uh, I have a bunch of relatives who play various instruments from from the bagpipes to the hurdy-gurdy to the piano to the concertina to all that stuff and uh i i started playing when i was nine i, I decided i wanted to play when i was eight but back to when i was four years old so my dad you know my dad's a rocker and my, my parents always hung around with like you know other rock and roll types and bikers and stuff like that so uh i was four i, I decided I, I won i wanted to be in a band to do what i don't know Two, I wanted to uh, have tattoos. And three, I wanted to ride a motorcycle. Uh, I gave up the motorcycle dream after a few people I know uh, kind of died on theirs. I was like, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let that slide. But uh, and as far as um, as far as when I knew it was going to be a, uh, be a success to be playing in the band, I mean, it, it, it just sort of it gradually happened some years into, into the drop kicks. I mean, I've been in bands like, you know, we spoke about um you, you you interviewed bayside you interviewed jack from bayside and like we were right. in bands together we were in a band together and like we used to play in my uh my 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 bedroom with uh, a couple other guys in like 1989 but nice. obviously there were no delusions of grandeur then but um <laughs> <laughs> but, right. you know but yeah as far as as far as knowing yeah i mean it was it, a, a few years into into the drop kicks i i realized like okay yeah this uh I'm doing what I want. always wanted to do. This is great. Yeah, awesome. Um, yeah. So, something that I, I mentioned to you earlier before we started here that I do with a couple of the guys whenever it makes sense, like a little album run through. I know you guys have a bunch of them here, so it doesn't have to be anything yeah. crazy. Just a little story about the recording process or what was going on uh, during that time, and then uh, maybe just your personal favorite song from each record. Okay, yeah, sure. Awesome. We'll start with uh, Do or Die. That was the first LP I ever worked on that um, had an actual recording budget. Or that they had, you know, like a label was helping out and stuff. That was back when labels paid for recordings. Mm-hmm. You know, these days it's a little strange, but um, yeah. So I mean, that was like, okay, we we spent almost a whole day getting drum sounds. It's, I, you know, I was used to going in to cut an LP. We're, we're gonna we're gonna get all the sounds, do you know, twenty songs and be in and out of there, <laughs> down to mix in about in about eight hours. You know, so so with with do or die, it was it was great. You know, 
spent a bunch of time on getting sounds and uh you know it was a big live room um and uh Lars from Rancid was he was uh producing the, the album so we had been working together in pre-production just kind of um you know, trimming the fat on songs and stuff. That's still one of my favorite studio experiences just because, I mean, man, it was my first, first album with, with first time recording drums with the band. I, I, um, done a little backups and stuff on the boys on the dock EP, which came up before that. But aside from that, yeah, that was, you know, the first time's always special. Um, and the a band's first album is always special, but, uh, as far as favorite songs in there, I don't know. I mean, cause like they were, they were re, they were, retakes of of songs from the singles from before i was even in the band so it was like oh i'm playing these playing drums on these songs that i like you know uh right. i think maybe um might have been the title track do or die might have been the, the real one the real uh the highlight just because it, it came together kind of quick rick the original guitarist had a a little riff he called the potato potato western because it kind of it kind of sounded like kind of sounded the western but it but it, it kind of had an irish flair that was the the the, the guitar intro of, of do or die, you know? Nice. So that, that was always like, we, worked, we fleshed a song on it. Well, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next one here, the gang's all here. Gang's all here. Um, that was recorded. Actually a bunch of the albums were recorded in the same place in uh, at the, at the, the outpost in Stoughton mass. Um, that uh, Lars also produced that one. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't enamored with the way the album came out. Um, the way it was mixed and mastered, but uh, it was a blast recording. You know, it was a, actually it was more of a blast writing because we did that on the road and in between tours after Do or Die came out. Um, soon, actually, soon thereafter, and uh, you know, we had, we had even played some of the songs live. We played um, we played Going Strong and uh, and I think we did Ten Years of Service live. Uh, we we did we definitely did Going Strong live um, in New York, Coney Island High. Um, with with Mike, our old singer, and it, we were like, yeah, I don't know if this is gonna work out with this with this 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 this, this kind of style is gonna work out. But maybe we'll have to can this anyway. So you know that album was a big change because we had we got Al on uh, vocals, um, and we did a crap load of touring. Um, so yeah, let's see. Uh, I know we, you want to go through a bunch of these albums. So <laughs> keep it short. The favorite favorite songs in there. I mean, I, I think I think maybe ten years of service. Um, it was a little, a little different for us. Um, I think it still kind of is. It's a little more. Uh, I won't name the influences, but it, it's other other styles, you know. Um, but that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, sing loud, sing proud. Yeah, that. Well, that sing loud. That that was you know between uh, gangs all here and sing loud, sing proud. We had lost a member uh, in Rick. Although not, not not many people know this, James joined the band while Rick was still in the band. So we had two guitarists for a little while, hmm. James and Rick. And then Rick left the band. James brought in Mark, and then we then we brought in Ryan on on the various instruments, and we brought in um, Spicy Robbie on bagpipes. Um, so we were able to do we we were all, uh, the first the first couple of albums were always were always sort of um, hesitant to put a lot of instrumentation on the songs because we wanted to recreate that live and and, and have have it being a four piece at the time. You know, we had stuff on albums like you know on, on the song uh, Byron Hero, even from the early singles, bagpipes, or we had um, whistle on Faraway Coast, or fiddles on um, on uh, the gangs all here, and, and various other instruments. So we we got these these we tricked these guys into being in a band with us, which was nice, and uh, so we were able to flesh out the sound a lot. So for for single out, we were kind of unbridled as far as 
limitations on what we could what we could record and do live. So you know, what's what, what's you know, this song's in B flat. We can throw bagpipes on it. Or you know, this will sound good with various whatever. So that was that was like the album that kind of solidified what our sound is, I guess. Um, you know, people. I, I hesitate to use the term Celtic punk, but right, it's sort of I don't know. That's what it is, apparently. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, is in that that album? Um, it was a blast to record. We that was the first time we had a bunch. We had we we probably had like thirty people down at the studio recording backup vocals, and like wow. I had I brought the grill out. We were it was grilling, underage drinking, all kinds of crazy stuff. <laughs> awesome. uh, but it was a blast. Um, and uh, my favorite off of that was um, <laughs> I forgot about my, about my favorite off uh, Gangs All Here. That was that would have been Wheel of Misfortune. I love that song. Still love awesome. playing that today. Um, most of the guys in the band do too. Uh, but as far as Sing Loud goes, um, I'd say probably um, the Gauntlet. That was awesome. a ballsy, ballsy sort of number. Yeah. Um, and, and Rick was still in the band when we when we we had that. I remember him coming into the practice space. I have this classic, this classic punk rock song idea. And he, you know, had he just had a couple of riffs, but you know, we 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 brought it out to. You just had the the hook in the beginning, uh, but we you know we fleshed it out afterwards. But his his one hook he was just like I have this classic part, you know, it's a it's pretty funny shit. That's awesome. Um, the next one here, blackout. Blackout. Let's see that again. The outpost in Stoughton, Mass. We recorded that there. Um, probably uh, the workers' song because. We had we had tr- attempted and failed a couple times for previous like a few a few years before to make that song happen because you know the the original is by a guy named Ed Pickford in the version we had um, this guy Dodgy Dodgy Dave uh, Wood who used to work uh, do Pub City Royal um, uh, productions out in San Francisco um, he gave us a tape of this guy uh, Dick Goggin who's a Scottish uh, singer songwriter guy and he did this the song is called A Handful of Earth. Um, and he took that, it, it, like the, the time signature was really weird. It was just him and his guitar, really, really awesome sounding song. We loved it, but we had, we had, we had tried and failed many times to straighten it out and make it into something that we could do. And it just didn't work for various reasons for, for a couple of years. And finally, when we were uh, writing for Blackout, it came together and it was like, yes, this is great. And, you know, we still play that. I don't, not every night, but we play that more often than not, even to this day. Nice. And so it's just a, you know, if I, if I don't completely agree with every sentiment in the song, I agree with the fact that it's a ballsy tune. For sure. Uh, next one, the Warriors Code. Um, that was done. You know, I think that was done in a. Oh, that was the outpost. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, it's, it's hard to keep track sometimes. Uh, that was a, you know, that was. I remember we were, we were, uh, we were writing, we were uh, writing while we were, we were. Uh, practicing on the uh on uh old dorchester ave dot ave space in southie and uh i remember the song warriors code came together and uh i got the title from the the book on bushido the japanese uh warrior code um kind of took the took that and then applied it to to boxing but um we were we were you know had kind of had the song going in various parts and sort of had a structure going and then um the guitar solo came in and it just it was very, a very memorable line i was like oh i said well, we should take that and just sort of take that and stick it on the beginning of the of the song as an intro and we did it. it was like oh that's great that's a really that's a catchy little hook nice um 
So I, I think I'm trying to think what songs are on that album. Uh, <laughs> uh, Everyone has trouble with it. You're, you're, you're not alone. You're good. Especially when, you have nine, when you have nine, 10 albums, I, I totally understand. Yeah. It's funny, man. Yeah. It's uh, it, 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 it seems like it happened in 10 years, but it happened freaking 20 or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my old adult brain. Uh, I think, I mean, it, maybe though, actually the warriors code, the song itself, the title track, um, nice. it kind of encompasses, it kind of pulls, I think style wise, it, it has the has the uh, you know has the Celtic sound to it. Obviously, it has bagpipes. It has the, that kind of melody, but it also has the uh, you know from from whence we came the sort of um, oi drive the mid tempo sort of uh, the business um, uh, Cox Barra kind of middle ground middle mid tempo British punk sound too. So I, it kind of has like a a mix of the styles that I that I really dig. You know. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, the meanest of times. The green, the greenest of limes. Um, <laughs> let's see. I think wasn't uh, that we we recorded at. I think we did that at Q Division. Um, was uh, was the state of Massachusetts on that? I think it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think that was probably my favorite off that one. Um, again, another one we we play almost every night. Um, and it it was it was funny. To, uh, we were in the, the again the old practice space in uh, in South Boston and on uh, .f. And uh, Tim had this this banjo riff. It was kind of this by itself, just a cycling banjo riff. He was playing it. I'm like, no, oh, it's really cool. And then okay, yeah, yeah. The one is like here's where the one is. And I just for for like a whole practice, I couldn't wrap my head around where the one was. I was I kept thinking that the one was was uh, the four, and then the two was the one. So. I was I was hearing it a beat behind and it was driving me friggin' crazy and I couldn't I just couldn't wrap my head around it and um then fi- and I was like what song fucking what what's going on what, why are we coming at this and then all of a sudden I heard the riff right and it clicked it's like oh all right cool I'm not a complete moron and uh anyway you know and then you know we 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 demoed it with our old four track digital four track recorder and I was like oh this is pretty cool. And we finally we we you know cut it in the actual studio and put it down. It's like, wow, this is this is awesome, man. This is really really cool because it's it's I don't you know we have a lot of songs that kind of have that style now, but I think that was probably the first of its type, I guess, for us. Right. And, uh, it's 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 heavy, it's dark and and minor, but it's also very melodic. And I think it's a it's a cool mixture of uh, using um, traditional instrumentation with heavy. You know, Marshalls and in, in, in Les Pauls, you know. Yeah, awesome. Uh, going out on style. That was that was done at Q Division. Uh, that was the first one we brought in uh, Ted Hutt as a producer for. So that was a lot of fun working with him in the beginning, in uh, in uh, you know, doing pre-production with him, and uh, you know, us us bringing ideas, you know, and having songs, you know, showing him songs, playing. He'd be like, No, 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 you can't have that. And uh, he's the guy's great. He's, he's the best. He's a great dude. Um, taught us a lot about songwriting about uh crafting the song uh if you can't tell he's english um, <laughs> um so that album uh was uh greenfields of france on that no no it was that was on uh the meanest of times because yeah. al did a great great job on that um i think on on going on on going on style um i think probably my favorite track would be the the uh the hang em high song Okay. Um, has like a kind of a slip jig thing going on. Well, not, it's not technically a slip jig, but it's kind of like that. Um, and it, it just, it, it, it's, it's again, kind of Celtic-y, fiddly, skiddly D, but it has, like, it has kind of almost ACDC um, or cheap trick kind of 
slow shuffle beat before it before it kicks into in, in between between when it kicks into the uh the, ver- the verses and the choruses and stuff like that it's a it's kind of heavier than heavier than one would expect for the for the instrumentation and in the i think the 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 timeline of the band nice um next here signed and sealed in blood yeah um again q division we've been doing a lot there <laughs> yeah. uh we've done a lot there they're, they're great and they're local local to us they're in the somerville so right but right by the side of boston um nice that uh i was trying to think the songs on that that prick there um i should have discogs up here to check i should be cheating <laughs> using discogs uh <laughs> everyone checks their itunes every time you're you're fine oh. <laughs> uh well that that one um yeah i think i think the song rose tattoo probably um dudes did a number on you know that i remember i was uh i had to go somewhere um you know we were in, we were you know writing new songs in the, at the practice space and uh and there was like this little idea and i had to go i either had like a some a weekend thing you know take my wife away for vacation or something like that for a weekend and i come back like a couple of days later and i come in and i was like wow this is a great song holy cow i don't know where the, where the hell this come from and uh and then you know we fleshed it out a little bit more and recorded it but but it, it just that struck me as wow this is I really like this. This is great. Next here, eleven short stories of pain and glory. This yeah. is the the the, la- the latest album. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, we did that actually. We went to we went to Tornillo, Texas, uh, two miles from the Rio Grande, um, from the Mexican border. First time we'd ever been away. Like we 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 had we recorded twenty one tracks there, but I, I think we'd had about eight eighteen or so completely in the can, ready to go. And then other ones were like, a couple other ones were like, oh, let's figure out what we're going to do. Like, uh, doing Paying My Way, that was, uh, that it was decided that, uh, we should put a drum loop on that. Uh, but it's just, uh, so I made a loop in the studio, much to my chagrin, and, uh, did, uh, use that as, as the drum track on there. And, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, favorite song off that, Bad Larry? Um, may, maybe actually, uh, um what was it called uh the hell's the song it was played yesterday we, we always call it uh um dead end kids but it's 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 um freaking that was the working title um rebels with a cause awesome yeah yeah that's that's, that's a fun one because when it when we first came up with it it kind of it, it sounded like the jam uh the band the jam it was uh very uh something like mod revival um punk <laughs> which <laughs> yeah is uh one of things i enjoy you know, like, the, like the chords and the jam and the secret affair and stuff like that um that was uh so that 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 really really kind of thought it kind of kicked ass and uh i mean that, that album was spe- the album was special in general just because we spent we lived together at a studio in the middle of nowhere on a, on a pecan farm uh and just putting tracking that album was was it was a really awesome experience it was something we'd never done before you know i, I know bands you know you had friggin' fleetwood mac doing their tusk album it took them like three months or something or whatever three years whatever the hell it was <laughs> overblown coke rattled friggin' <laughs> garbage but uh you know we we took three we took three uh two weeks down there just just living sleeping breathing the album so that was really special i think for us you know yeah for sure do you guys have any plans for new music or a new record here Oh yeah. Um, we actually, I think it came out, came on, went on a European tour. Uh, we did a single, um, called smash shit up. 
um, in the, the B-side was uh, The Bonnie, which is a cover, a, a reworking of a, a, this guy, Jerry Cinnamon out of Glasgow, Scotland. Um, one of our, we all love him. He's great, just singer-songwriter guy, but really uh, gritty shit, gritty stuff. Um, he speaks and he sings in his uh, in the Scots dialect too, for the most part. Well, nice. Scots influenced dialect, so it's very, uh, it's got it's got a real charm to it. Um, so that that single came out uh, end of January, and we have and another single came out more recently called Mick Jones Nick My Pudding, which is inspired by a story from our our um, producer Ted when he was in the studio it was sometime in the eighties, early nineties or something, and, and he kept going to the fridge at the studio, which is kind of a communal fridge to get his 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 uh his lunch and his friggin his 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 dessert aka in britain everything's a pudding you know every every dessert's a that's your pudding right. uh, <laughs> and so he so he you know he finally he kind of he posts up and waits for waits to see what happens and this friggin guy comes up opens the fridge and starts walking away with his, his dessert he's like oi that's me fucking dessert and he and the guy turns around it's friggin mick jones from the clash so hilarious Anyway, he told us he told us a song inspired. He told us the story inspired this, which inspired the song. So that was a uh, that's the latest single. And uh, back with um, James Conley, which is uh, Larry Kerwin from what Black Forty Seven wrote a song about this uh, this Irish fella back in the uh, back in the um, early twentieth century. Uh, maybe had some interesting ideas about about uh, economics, but great song nonetheless. And we uh, we did put our own spin on it. And uh, so those songs, well, we, we recorded those. We recorded a bunch of other stuff too, but we're, we've, we, I'm trying to think how many songs we've done. I can't remember. We've, we were in the studio in, in December and early January, and uh, we have, we're, we're still writing. Actually, we've been writing. Well, that's I'll go later on. We're actually writing. We're going to be in, we're going to be practicing for the first time at night in years. We're, we're going, going down the space at uh, 530 to practice. I know most bands practice during the night, but we're daytime guys. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, we're working on some new material now that we're going to head to the studio as soon as we can in light of the, uh, the bullshit that's happening yeah. uh, with the coronavirus and all. But uh, yeah, so we're, we're currently writing. We currently have stuff in the can and we're putting together an album as soon as possible, hopefully f- for September. But again, considering what's going on, I, I, I see it being delayed. Um, not for any lack of trying. Right. Yeah, that sucks. But we're definitely looking forward to that. Um, so right now, we're, uh, we're 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 talking on Wednesday, May. I think it's nineteenth. Actually, I didn't look at that. Yeah. Do this. Yes, yeah, um, yeah. But um, this this is going to air um, after you guys would have played your second uh, full band, full length, no crowd show here. You, you guys are playing uh, Fenway on Friday, right? Under the lights. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then you guys that played. St. Patrick's Day, obviously. Um, you said the first time in 24 years not playing on St. Patrick's Day in front of fans. That's crazy. But Yeah, that was pretty yeah. freaking weird, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, Really cool you guys yeah, did that, though. But It fell together. Um, it, it, it actually, we were doing, we, were, we had the, ven- the venue we did it at, we, we had been using for pre-production for uh, doing, for one of the shows that was going to happen um, at a new venue in Boston. So we just wanted to make sure everything was right. So we did a full, you know, we've had a full, had stuff ready to go as just pre-production. And then this, this happened and it was like, well, can we keep the room? And, you know, and like, yeah, of course, you know, we can, no, nobody else is doing anything. You know, so we're not right. booked. So and the, the, the equipment that we were renting wasn't booked. And let's, why, don't, why don't we see if we can do this, you know, do something, you know? And it, it came together pretty, uh, pretty quickly, but it, it, 
it was awesome. It really was. And even, even with, you know, even playing to nobody, I never see anybody in the crowd anyway, unless the lights come up on me because <laughs> yeah. I'm being blinded by the frigging lights in my eyes anyway. So I'm sitting behind the drums. I'm just seeing my bandmates and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, uh, in, in, you know, looking back at it, uh, you know, seeing it again on YouTube, you know, checking it out. Uh, so it looks pretty cool, you know, and, yeah, it, but you know, everybody is sitting, you know, it's, it's kind of weird, you know, not having nobody there in front of us, but right. Yeah. You know, how did, how uh, did the, uh, how did the one at Fenway come, come about here? Was it a show I mean, that you guys originally had scheduled or no, nah, we don't just do play in front of a billion people. <laughs> right. uh, no, it was, it was, a, it was a thing that we worked on with, you know, we have a good, great relationship with the Red Sox and, uh, their, their organization. They're, I mean, they're great. Um, and it just sort of just sort of checked out, see if we could kind of, you know, put this thing together and, uh, you know, get some sponsors to, to, you know, throw some money towards the costs. And then towards, you know, we, we have there are various charities that if you look on the poster, um, that money raised from these sponsors, most, you know, 90, 99% of the money is going to go to. Right. Um, Cause a lot of the stuff that um, a lot of the services that we're using to put this thing on are donating their services. So nice. Um, yeah, it should be interesting playing down on the, on, sure. the, on the diamond in the, the hallowed, um, hallowed ground. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Fenway <laughs> Park. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, pretty sick, you know, Definitely. Um, who knows if, it, if this will be a thing, you know, in, in the future. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to somehow play on the ice and at the Boston garden, I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> so the show is called for the bird based out of Pittsburgh PA here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have any favorite favorite venues or cool show memories or any places you guys you guys would like to go while you're out on tour if you had time or anything like that? Yeah, Laga, I always loved Laga, um, mm-hmm. Club Laga. Um, it's always sucked loading in because it was five floors up. And the <laughs> elevator didn't always work, but uh, the shows were just friggin' bananas there, man. Um, awesome. Yeah, the shows they were great. We 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 probably played there. I don't know how many times? Ugh. We I, I'd say we played there six or seven times over the years. Wow. Um, and the, the crew there were great. Um, the, it was a, just a cool venue. Cause uh, I, you know, this was, they, they had a really, really, the stage setup was really cool. Cause all the, all the monitor, all the, the, the speed monitor speakers were set into the stage. So there was a lot of room to move around for the guys, a lot of stage dive potential uh, for, for, for uh, the punters. And uh, <laughs> it, I was just, just the shows were always violent and crazy and fun and that's that's the kind of shows we always liked uh you know you, you'll you look at our shows these days you know it's uh they're a bit more tame um at least audience wise but back then it was there were brutal shows you know nice. it was it was a blast <laughs> it really sure. was you had to stop a lot because of fights but uh you know, <laughs> you know it was uh our shows were the uh the non the non-metal version of tough guy shows i guess at the time uh for you know for better or for worse um and then it's and then god we spent a lot of time in, in in pittsburgh actually i was with um i was i was the van driver some years later for uh tommy and the terrors and my wife's band the lashes um they played a little bar out i don't know i forget what it was called but it was we played with that band the traditionals guys used to be in a sus um you know that was fun and uh we've i mean we've the crowds in pittsburgh i, I know it's a different, it's like a different world with Pittsburgh and Philly that those crowds are just always the, the, the people are always the, the balls and like just good folk and uh passionate audiences, you know, and it's, it's yeah. in a coming, coming from places like Europe and then playing the States. Sometimes it's like, uh, people are kind of laid back, but then you go, it, it kind of restores your faith in, in America and American audiences when you, you play Pittsburgh 
in uh in uh in philly and even like cleveland which you know i guess yeah. like, what's like it's like a couple hours from you guys two hours cleveland? yeah 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 because yeah. i know bad. We, yeah i know because I, I know we were, we were playing the warp tour in cleveland one year and uh mm-hmm. iron maiden was playing up by you guys and we, we drove out there to see them so nice i know it's not that not that far <laughs> no yeah it's not only, bad at all uh, my my wife's mother's from there um so i, I don't know much about where she grew up but right. uh, <laughs> i know I, I went to uh the the italian quarter there um what's that what's that, what's that, that what town the uh traditional tr- traditional area of uh of pittsburgh the old town is it maybe the strip district i don't know i know strip there's district, like yes, the the strip, yeah, thank you because they yes. have the italian market there with the, the yeah, yeah the pennsylvania that's, macaroni company is what it's called down there yeah that's yeah. right yep I yeah, used to sell so, I used to sell T-shirts in front of there actually in front of the macaroni company. Oh no kidding! Yeah. Oh, like 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 for uh, for Irish. this kind of yeah like like just Pittsburgh sports type stuff for this website. Yeah, 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 totally. I yeah. got you. Yeah. There's a billion of them down there, so I didn't do that well, but whatever. <laughs> so sure, they're just yeah. online now, but. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That that strip district. Um, excuse my my naivety, but uh. Naivety, naivety. <laughs> Part of my being naive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's that. That area is great, though. That's, oh, it's uh, fun down there. Yeah. Walking around on a day off or something like that is—it's really nice getting. Especially a, getting before a game or something, before a Steelers game, something like that. It gets nuts. Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> yep. sure. I never, never been, never been there for that. But uh, yeah, just the, just you know, it's not a place we go unless we had a day off because getting there, I just you know, no, you for sure. Have your, have your head in the game for the for the show. But, yeah, uh, yeah. Day off, get ripped on espresso, and uh, you know, just check check out, take it all in. You know. Yeah. Uh, do you know what the term "jag off" means? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Pittsburgh term means asshole, dickhead, whatever. Yeah, I've been asking. Right. Use it. right. I've been asking every guy uh, this question here. I'm kind of batting 500. It's cool. Whatever you want to do, I don't blame you. Um, right. Just being being famous, being in these uh, bigger bands, meeting a lot of people on tour, whether it be that or just meeting people in general. Uh, anybody that you met that you were excited to meet that just turned out to be a Jagoff? Ooh, let's see. I probably I excited. To, I, I've 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 been excited to meet one person on on tour, and it was like kind of an accident. It was sort of like it caught me off guard, and that was in 1997. Uh, we were in we were in somewhere in Texas. With, uh, the Boston's had taken us on tour, and uh, hanging out after afterwards backstage. Boston's are hanging out with some of their friends, and like and uh, Dickie's like, "Hey, Kel, Kel, come in here." I'm like, "Yo, hey, what's up, man?" He's like. Uh, this is Steve Grimes. I'm like, Steve Grimes like, from from the FUs in Straw Dogs. <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, yeah, man. Hey, nice to meet you. I was I was at a loss for words. Uh, totally not a jag off. Right. Uh, he was he was great. Wicked nice guy. But like the FUs are one of my favorite Boston hardcore bands. It was just just I worship that band. I, anyway, as far as jag offs, let me see. I, I know. Uh, oh God. Sean Stern was kind of a dick to Al. Um, we were, it got resolved years later, but uh, for a while, he was like, oh man, your singer hates me. Because uh, we're, 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 I think we were at the Whiskey in LA and uh, we had played a show and just come off stage and like, come up, come upstairs to the dressing room, like grab a water or something. And, and there's, there's Sean Stern sitting there drinking a beer, you know, and, uh, and Al's like, oh man, Sean Stern, holy cow. Oh, I put on a show for you guys in 1982 in New Hampshire. And Sean's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, he fucking blanked me. What What the, what the fuck? Fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, and then like and for, and for a couple of years, you know, it was like, 
what a jerk, man. Turns out Sean was just really wasted and was just like, uh, <laughs> and, and Al just come off stage and like, we just played a show. What did you, what'd you think? You know, like, like uh, yeah. you know, it, it was just kind of a, a slap in the face, you know? So I think for a couple of years, uh, as we, especially Al thought Sean Stern was a real jag off, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, some years later, we, you know, we, we toured together and stuff years later. And it was, I think it was a complete, uh, Sean was, uh, Sean was in his cups. He was overly refreshed. I think at the point that, uh, that, that Al, Al, Al and he, uh, confronted, uh, had, had come into contact there. So, um, I guess for, you know, plenty of jag offs that, uh, we've seen on tour, but, uh, you know, I, I guess as far as anything that that's the one that, that that's the one that really was funny and turned out to be fine. But, uh, yeah. You know, I mean, we, you know, we were on the Warp Tour a bunch of times, you know. You, so these, many people there. Dudes, right. You know, I think, you know, our term for, for Jagoff would be douchebag, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we, Jagoff has been used. But uh, you, you meet plenty of Jagoffs and douchebags and Mama Lukes and, uh, <laughs> you know, on 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 the road, uh, especially on these big tours where, you know, yeah, we're all in bands. Nobody's that special. Just fuck, just be, just don't, don't be a douchebag, you know. Right, exactly. But, but unfortunately, unfortunately, there's plenty plenty of people who, who should heed that advice. Yeah. Um, so a couple of fan questions here and then uh, we could be on our way, man. Um, do you or anybody in the band have any weird superstitious uh, like pre-show rituals or, or anything like that before taking the stage? Uh, we always, uh, we, before we go on, we all sort of get together, put our fists in the, in the, in the center, like some yay, whoa, whoa concert thing. Uh, and uh, you know, we sort of like, all right, you know, let's, let's, you know, Let's let's fucking leave it all up there. For, uh, all right, one, two, three. You know that's that's we we've been doing that for countless years. Uh, sometimes we'll throw in our father in there. Sometimes we'll uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and I, I I always before we play I I always warm up for like an hour and a half before we uh, up until a, a half hour before we go on. Uh, then we go over the set list because it changes pretty much every night. But for about an hour, hour and a half before that, I, I start stretching and doing a warm up, and it's it's very ritualistic. It, it happens every t- every night. I have to do it, um, and then uh, actually three push ups before we hit the stage. Nice. You know, get, get the blood into the arms. Yeah. Um, other guys, Al Al warms up for hours before we play. Uh, he he's working with one vocal cord, so he's got to get that thing uh, primed. You know, mm-hmm. uh, his other one's paralyzed from a, a thing he had when he was a kid. Um, and other guys, they'll, they'll stretch a little bit here and there, but, uh, no, you know, when there's no, there's no, you know, lighting black candles and, and right. uh, you know, uh, singing hymns to the dark Lord or anything weird like that, <laughs> you know, no, 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 no Jay and off on a cookie or anything like that. <laughs> I had a guy that uh, the reason I asked that question is because yeah. I asked one guy that, and that's what he said. So I'm like, I'm going to, I need to try to top that. So I'm going to ask him that I'm going to ask every guy that now. <laughs> Um, Good for him. <laughs> Congratulations. If, if your band could tour with just one other band for the rest of your career, what band would that be and why? Sick of it all. Um, you don't have to think guys. about that at all. Nice. <laughs> no, no. I, say, I mean, it's like, it's either them or Bouncing Souls. Just the best, best freaking dudes. Like, we've toured numerous times with both bands, but uh, I think, I don't know, I don't know why I'd say, I have to say Sick of it all over, over uh, Bouncing Souls because they're, they're like, just, it's a maybe a tie i don't know because just just best guys to be on tour with they always give 100 percent every night and they are just their their attitude is just always great just always very positive and you know they've been doing it longer than this band has so it's uh 
and God, I've been listening to Sick of It All since the '80s too. And, and I mean, just you know, hearing hearing Pete's sake or uh, or uh, Rat Pack live makes you want to you know murder people um, in the best of ways. Uh, it, it just just I mean, on and off stage, you know, like off stage is great freaking guys, man. Uh, awesome. Yeah, so tough tough call between the two of those guys, two of those bands. Cool. Last one here. Uh, what was it like? Pretty much having the theme song for the movie Departed, and how did that even come about? Uh, that was, it came about, uh, I think one of the guys who, one of the, there are various legends, uh, how that came, how that came about. Um, one person, one guy said Martin Scorsese knew of the band and, and liked the song. I doubt it, but whatever. <laughs> uh, another, another, another guy said that Leonardo DiCaprio is a fan of the band and he suggested it. And then, uh, another guy, there was, you know, various Boston actors in there. So like guys, neighborhood guys, um, you know, maybe one of them suggested it gave, gave them a suggestion or a CD or something. Um, but it's funny. We, the day of the premiere band came off tour. We just come back from Europe. We were home for, you know, I just been home for like an hour, you know, jet lagged to hell on queer street, just beat. And, uh, we all, all met up at, at the, at the, whatever theater it was down, down the theater district and, uh, and saw the, the premiere of the movie. And we're sitting there watching it. It's like, oh, it's pretty cool. And then the song, uh, I'm shipping up to Boston, came into the it came into the movie twice. It came in during, I think, during a, a jail scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you got a lot of prison rape, right? Um, <laughs> jail scene, and then uh, the, the car chase near the end, the, the climax of the movie. And each time, I, I know I was, Liz, my wife and I were sitting next to James and his ex, and uh, like it came on the, it's like, it's weird, man. It's just, it seems just, just, it seemed at the time incongruous. It just seemed like it seemed so pasted in there, the, our song into the, into mm-hmm. the scene. And then, then it came on again and the, the car chase, like it's freaking weird, man. Wow. wow. Okay. Well, that was strange. Okay. And then like, you know, uh, a month passes, a couple, couple months come by and our, our manager got, you know, they got, we got sent DVDs of the, of the thing, you know, and my wife's like, Oh, let's watch it. All right threw it on it's like oh okay fits okay it's pretty cool all right nice but it's funny that song man that's like we i remember playing that song for the first time live and it was before it had anything to do with the movie because we mm-hmm. we did a demo version of that and ended up on a on a, on a um on a uh what's it called a friggin epitaph compilation or something okay. like that yeah and and so you know we ended up you know played it live like let's see how this goes over and it was like friggin' fart in a spacesuit, man. It was like nothing. The crowd just stood there. And I, I think, so it was like, well, well, well never going to play that one live again. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, but then, you know, the movie comes out and this and that. And I think people associate the song with the movie and the excitement of the scenes that it was in. And then it became, you know, the gateway song for most mainstream type people. You know, because before that, it was like, before, before that and before Tessie, it was like, you know, our fans and say Red Sox fans or, you know, you know, jocks. I used to fight jocks in high school. You know? <laughs> um, it's sort of like, it sort of br- seem to, they seem to bridge the gap somehow between, between uh, sports and punk, I guess. Yeah. For us. I mean, the Cockney Rejects did it in 1980 with um, Forever Blowing Bubbles in, in the West Ham, in West Ham United. But, but uh, I guess in Boston, it sort of bridged the gap. So it was that song, you know, that, that was a, uh, one of the many, one of the couple of breakout songs for us, I guess, as far as mainstream people go. Tessie was in a, a MLB The Show game. I just don't remember what year off the top of my head. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, uh, video the, game? 
Yeah. Did you not know that? <laughs> I, I hate video games. Oh, okay. I, well, I, that's I, liked, I liked, I liked, uh, what was it? I liked, um, you know, Super Mario Brothers and stuff. And I was like, yep. eh, I'm, I'm, I'm all set. Yeah. Time, time to concentrate on other things. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I know, I know, like, Never Alone was in a, in a Tony Hawk video game and stuff. But I, I, you know, some of the other guys, I don't think any of the other, maybe, maybe, maybe one, one or two of the other guys might play video games, but it's not really our realm. Um, Awesome. Old, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Is there anything else you, you want to yeah. say or plug or anything like that before? I know I would say the Fenway thing, but this is going to come out after that anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the Fenway thing is happening on the 29th. I heard, I heard that uh national league is, is, uh, is bringing in, uh, bringing in a uh, DH designated. They were, huh? they were going to, they were talking about it or voting, whatever. I mean, the, I hope they don't. I I'm, mean, I'm wearing I mean, a pirate's hat. They're, their ownership i mean they pissed me off they're awful i love the i love the team the guy's not their fault but our owner yeah. nutting he's he's a piece of garbage when it comes to yeah, the team sucks. i mean it sucks i mean you yeah. spend all your money going to the games and, and he didn't they don't give a shit they pocket it all and just put whatever they can out there and it's not the guy's fault but like like the the player's fault um of course yeah right but i mean i don't i don't care what they do either way i kind of would want it to just be the same in both leagues honestly some people really? are, i i i would rather it be yeah i know like huh. Traditionalists aren't going to want that at all, at all, obviously. And um, yeah. people are people are getting pissed, saying, "Well, we don't want to bring it here." Like, I don't know. I think it's weird having two different things. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think it's it, it, it's it's uh, the beauty and the difference of it. But I mean, I, I can definitely see the argument. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, it definitely it definitely uh, you know it it uh, I'm not even a baseball. Guy. I'm a, I'm a hockey guy. <laughs> oh yeah, me uh, too. I got a, I don't know if you see it here. Pe- Penguins tattoo there. Of, uh, nice. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah grow, grow, growing up, my buddy uh, was a big Penguins fan. His, his dad was a Habs fan. And, uh, he was a <laughs> Penguins fan, uh, but uh, they were they were French. They're they're Canadian. But uh, yeah, yeah. Though the DH thing, I just I just thought it's kind of cool to see the difference when you're watching a National League yeah. series or something like that. It's just it just the, the the dynamic is a little bit different. It's true, it's cool, but yeah, but yeah. I mean, they're, they're, it wouldn't are, help the Pirates in any way because we don't have anybody that we would slide into that spot to hit 40 home runs anyway. It doesn't matter. We're sure it sure. wouldn't do anything there. But um, I actually, I actually lived in Portland, Maine for for three years up there, and then uh, I, like I would go down to Boston to either see shows or or to go to uh yeah. Bruins game. I've been to two Bruins games down down there as well, but never made it to Fenway. Oh, three years up there, never once made it to Fenway. Been to the House of Blues mm-hmm. right next to it, but never. Oh, so 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 it was during that the era of uh, the the Red Sox, uh, the 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 new era of of uh, actually people caring about the Red Sox. So that's, that's yeah. Oh cool. yeah, yeah. And the, the, I, I worked for. Uh, you said you're a hockey guy. Yeah, the AHL up there, the Portland Pirates. Oh no way! Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I was, I was with them for a few years. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> not, that's pretty they're awesome. Not a, they're not a team anymore, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but Portland, what a ballsy play! Portland, oh, yeah. great town, man. Great record shops too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bullmoose, Bull I think. Bullmoose, yeah. There's Bullmoose Bull up there. Yep. Yep. Um, it just just a, and, you know, the uh, the douchey restaurant scene is great too. Amazing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah, good, good duck, beer. Duck fat and freaking yeah, duck great fat, beer. yeah, yeah. And, uh, Shipyard, uh, all that Creek. stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they got uh, isn't a uh, main beer company from from out of there too now. I would assume so. Yeah, yeah. I know lunch more... and all that. Yep. Awesome, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, sort of, this That's thing, good. this this thing's making me uh making me uh go making me uh ramble. But uh, yeah, hey, thanks so much. Um, yeah. best of luck with everything. Hopefully, we get out of this bullshit pretty soon and uh get back to normal, not the sure, normal. Yeah. Normal. Awesome. Appreciate all right, cool. It, Thank you. Nice talking to you. Yeah, see you. Nope. Mr. Pop.